48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. The National People's Congress Standing Committee postpones a vote on extending the national anti-sanctions law to Hong Kong. But a mainland legal scholar says it's not unusual, given Hong Kong's unique circumstances. And the government is heavily criticised by lawmakers for exempting Hollywood star Nicole Kidman and her crew from quarantine. National People's Congress Standing Committee member Tam Yu Chong says a vote on adding the mainland's anti-foreign sanctions law to the SAR's basic law has been postponed. Timmy Sung reports. The NPCSC was originally expected to pass the resolution during the Friday meeting. But Mr Tam says they decided instead to keep studying the matter and he believes this will lead to legislation being more effective. Earlier this week, he said the NPCSC had consulted the Hong Kong government and the Basic Law Committee on introducing the law to the SAR and cited documents as saying the move was urgent. Responding to media inquiries on the matter, the SAR government said the central authorities always care about the development of the territory and the well-being of Hong Kong people. A statement said the National People's Congress and its Standing Committee make decisions on Hong Kong matters based on the interests of the city, and the SCR government fully supports and executes these decisions. The anti-foreign sanctions law, which was passed on the mainland in June, allows for tit-for-tat measures against foreign sanctions on Chinese nationals or entities. But a mainland scholar has played down Beijing's decision to postpone the vote on inserting the anti-sanctions law into Hong Kong's basic law, saying it's not unusual given the profound impact it could have on the SAR's markets. Maggie Ho reports. Tian Fei Long, an associate professor of law at Beijing's Beihang University, said details have to be worked out on how the mainland law would be implemented in Hong Kong. For example, he said the central government has to decide how local authorities should coordinate with mainland's enforcement mechanism and whether companies based in Hong Kong can apply for exemptions. Professor Tian said Beijing also needs to make sure the brand new anti-sanction law will cause as little impact to the Hong Kong market as possible. The scholar, who's also the director of the Chinese Association of Hong Kong and Macau Studies, noted that the law may also have a bearing on the SAR's ties with the United States, which has a lot of commercial activities in the city. He said the central government has to assess the risks of the U.S. decoupling from Hong Kong and its possible attacks on the SAR's economic and trade status after the law is introduced. The scholar also said it's not unusual for the National People's Congress Standing Committee to postpone a vote, as it might vet a resolution for up to three times before voting on it. Professor Tian said he believed the central authorities did consider the current Legislative Council's term is coming to an end next month. But he said it's just a technical factor and it's not a must to complete the local legislation in this current term. The government has come under heavy criticism from lawmakers over the exemption of Hollywood actress Nicole Kidman and her film crew from quarantine. Joanne Wong reports. The government has confirmed that the movie star and four other members of a TV crew did not have to undergo quarantine after they arrived last Thursday. At a logical meeting, roundtable lawmaker Michael Tian questioned whether it had to do with the nature of the trip. He spoke through an interpreter. Is that going to be a precedent? Does it mean that whenever people come to make films, um, they will be exempted? I like Nicole Kidman. But still, it seems you are giving her preferential treatment. 
Priscilla Leung of the Business and Professionals Alliance also hit out at the decision, saying it's not only about officials' political sensitivity, but has to do with public health and safety as well. Responding through an interpreter, Health Secretary Sophia Chan said all those given exemptions had to follow strict rules and an approved itinerary. In that specific itinerary, it is dictated what they can do and they cannot do. They have to take all necessary measures to ensure personal safety. Commerce Secretary Edward Yao, meanwhile, explained the conditions they had to fulfill. For instance, uh, full vaccination before departure, test upon arrival, confirmation of negative sort of COVID results, designated place of stay, and also very strict itinerary share with us prior to making that trip, and not to mention that well, they must use dedicated transport. In- to the weather forecast, mainly fine with a minimum temperature of about 28 degrees and isolated showers tomorrow morning. Very hot tomorrow with a high of about 34 degrees and light to moderate southwesterly winds. Currently, the observatory, 29 degrees Celsius, humidity 74%, and please be advised the very hot weather warning is currently in force. You're listening to RTHK. The time's exactly five minutes past 11. The airport authority is making COVID-19 vaccination compulsory for staff who handle high-risk cargo, have close contact with transit and incoming passengers. Negative test results or medical exemptions will no longer be accepted. From September the 1st, relevant staff have to have received at least one dose and they have to finish both doses by the end of next month. Staff also have to take a test every seven days. The authority said it's enhancing its measures after a recent infection involving an airline lounge worker. But infectious disease expert Leung Chi Chu said authorities could do even more. These measures, correct measures in the right direction, but they by themselves cannot completely eliminate the risk because with the Delta variant, the incubation is quite short, uh, often with a mean of only about four days. And in that sort of scenario, we do need to consider more frequent testing of the first-line airport workers. The head of the Hong Kong-Singapore Business Association says he understands why the two cities have scrapped plans for a so-called travel bubble. Here's Jimmy Choi. While Hong Kong is maintaining a zero-COVID strategy and increasing quarantine periods for vaccinated travellers, Singapore has announced that anyone arriving from the SAR can skip quarantine, regardless of vaccination status, from midnight tonight. Philip Chan, the president of the business group, said it was understandable that the two sides were no longer pursuing a quarantine-free travel bubble, given the different approaches to COVID-19. He welcomed Singapore's move, but said Hong Kong's decision to increase quarantine from 7 to 14 days for the vaccinated had caught travellers by surprise. Mr Chan said some travellers may not be able to extend their quarantine stays because places in designated hotels are in short supply. He may delay or cancel his own return to Hong Kong next month. The Law Society says it will review current laws regulating legal workers after a law clerk with a criminal record was found to have provided legal advice to a man who was later wrongly jailed for drug trafficking. Here's Jimmy Choi again. Last month, the Court of Appeal overturned the conviction of Mark Harkin and criticised the prosecution for what the judges describe as manifest injustice. It was revealed that the man who served about five years of a 23-year jail term had received legal advice from a law firm clerk who had a criminal record including rape, attempted rape, robbery, burglary, blackmail and escape from lawful custody. 
Responding to the incident, the Law Society stressed that under the legal petitioner's ordinance, no solicitor is allowed to hire anyone convicted of a dishonesty offence without its written permission. The regulatory body said law firms in Hong Kong currently hired around 16,000 staff who are not qualified lawyers and that it does not have access to all their criminal records. Brian Gilchrist, the society's vice chairman, said law firms themselves should act as the first gatekeeper, asking potential hires if they have a criminal record. He admitted the system is not foolproof. The difficulty arises where a candidate deliberately hides the fact of his criminal convictions from the employer or where the law firm deliberately admits to ask for such information from the candidate, using lack of knowledge as a defence to Section 53, bracket 3. The Law Society is actively reviewing the provision to examine how to improve it. He added that the Law Society will also work with the police to see if they could set up a more effective way to enable law firms to verify criminal records provided by job applicants. Another vice chairman of the society, Amirali Nasir, pointed out that law clerks are not allowed to pay legal visits to detainees on their own. To conduct a legal visit, the person must be an authorized clerk, one who has been approved by the law society to have this status. Even for an authorized clerk, not all legal visits can be conducted by him on his own. In some situations, even an authorized clerk have to be accompanied by a solicitor when attending a legal visit. He added that all legal visits are scrutinized by relevant law enforcement agencies and the society has detailed agreements with them over the matter, such as who can pay a legal visit and what identity proofs are required. He said the society will liaise with the authorities to see how it can assist in any process review. My apologies, that was of course Francis Sitt reporting. China has passed a privacy law aimed at preventing businesses from collecting sensitive personal data in another step in the country's efforts to regulate cyberspace. Cecil Wong reports. Under new rules approved by the National People's Congress, states and private entities handling personal information will be required to reduce data collection and obtain user consent. The official Xinhua News Agency said the policy would be implemented in November. Authorities have instructed mainland tech giants to ensure better secure storage of user data amid public complaints about mismanagement and misuse, which have resulted in user privacy violations. The law states that handling of personal information must have clear and reasonable purpose and shall be limited to the minimum scope necessary to achieve the goals of handling data. It also says the personal data of Chinese nationals cannot be transferred to countries with lower standards of data security than China, rules which may present problems for foreign businesses. Companies that fail to comply can face fines of up to 50 million yuan, or 5% of their annual turnover. The new rules are also expected to further rattle the mainland's tech sector, with companies like ride-hailing giant Didi and gaming behemoth Tencent in regulators' crosshairs in recent months over misuse of personal data. Chinese astronauts edged into space today to add the finishing touches to a robotic arm on the Tiangong space station. More from Ben Che. The foray is the second spacewalk in two months and was relayed on state television. It's part of China's space program, which has already seen a rover land on Mars and probes sent to the moon. In June, three crew arrived at the station, where they are set to remain in space for a total of three months in China's longest crewed mission to date. Two of them, Nie Haisheng and Liu Boming, have now successfully exited the Tianhe core module to install footstops and a workbench on the station's robotic arm. 
Video footage showed the astronauts working outside the spacecraft while tethered to it with a long rope. Their tasks also include working on a thermal unit and adjusting a panoramic camera, broadcaster CCTV reported. This marks only the third spacewalk for Chinese astronauts after the first in 2008, when Jai Jigong made China the third country to complete a spacewalk after the Soviet Union and the United States. The second took place in early July, when Liu and the third crew member Tang Hongbo left the station. To sports now, and with a preview of this weekend's English Premier League action, here's the BBC's James Gregg. The first game is Liverpool against Burnley, and Liverpool started very well last week with a very comfortable victory.、Uh, Aston Villa against Newcastle, Crystal Palace against Premier League new boys Brentford, who started the season so well, and then Leeds against Everton and Manchester City against Premier League new boys Norwich. They all kick off at the same time, three o'clock local time here in the UK, and the late game sees Brighton taking on Watford on Sunday. There's two games kicking off at the same time at two o'clock local time here in the United Kingdom. Southampton against Manchester United. Manchester United looked absolutely brilliant in beating Leeds five goals to one, Old Trafford, on the opening game week. And Arsenal against Chelsea is the late game on Sunday. The European champions taking on a struggling Arsenal side. We then follow that up on the Monday game, which for me is actually probably the pick of the weekend. Free scoring and free flowing West Ham United at home against Leicester City, both going for Europe this year. There's some good games in a full Premier League program. Rafa Nadal has become the latest top tennis player to pull out of further competition this season because of injury. The men's world number four said he was still suffering from a problem with his foot, which forced him to miss Wimbledon and the Olympics. To cricket, English county championship side Yorkshire have admitted former player Azim Rafiq was, in their words, the victim of inappropriate behaviour and offered him their profound apologies. The former England under-19 captain last year claimed he'd experienced institutional racism during two spells at the club dating back to 2008. Throughout my time, there was incidents in my first spell, and I sort of let it go for a long time. But I didn't want to see it as racism. But in my second spell, after initially seeing it as bullying. It became evidently, very evidently clear that I was being treated, and other people who were non-white were being treated in a completely different way to white lads. Yorkshire commissioned an independent investigation last year after Rafiq alleged he suffered racist abuse that left him feeling suicidal. A final report was delivered to the club last weekend. And to end the news, a reminder of our top stories tonight: the National People's Congress Standing Committee postpones a vote on extending the national anti-sanctions law to Hong Kong. But a mainland legal scholar says it's not unusual given Hong Kong's unique circumstances. And the government is heavily criticised by lawmakers for exempting Hollywood star Nicole Kidman and her crew from quarantine. The news from RTHK.
70s as a tune you definitely would have known from the winners of course a massive band they had their own uh, tv show they had a special in 1975 uh, i think two or three movies there was let's rock uh, gonna get you and another one uh, around 78 time of course fronted by alan tam and kenny b going on to be the foundation of canto pop still singing in english now and again as well i'm happy to say into our second hour this friday peter king with you here till 1 a.m all up tempo mostly up tempo uh, rock and roll and some great stuff from the past of course if you'd like a song of your own just get in touch radio peter gmail mike how you doing thanks for your email gonna ring re- excuse me dig around for some rod stewart as well forever young is your request still got one more from davy looking for ymca from village people right now though junior walker the all-stars with shotgun 